0: Day on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. You could have saved yourself and us for that matter.
1: A lot of heartache, a lot of misery, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering had you but come to that conclusion sooner. But no, he's got to go through this whole thing. And actually it's needful because sometimes the only way we're going to learn is the hard way. There's the easy way and there's the hard way. And experience is the best educator and sometimes you just have to go through it and that's the only way you're ever going to learn it
0: you're listening to in spirit and truth the radio ministry of pastor jd farag of calvary chapel kaniohe pastor jd is currently teaching through the book of ecclesiastes sometimes the only way you will learn is by going through things the hard way as you listen to today's message from pastor jd he teaches you that experience is the best teacher god will use the difficulty and hardships in your life to help you grow closer to him he will use them to mature you in the faith now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast subscribe to the in spirit and truth podcast or download the in spirit and truth iphone or android mobile app But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: We are in the book of Ecclesiastes, and Lord willing, we will make it through chapter 9. All right, well, by way of an introduction to this chapter, it's going to become abundantly clear that Solomon is still grappling, struggling with the inexplicable and perhaps better said irreconcilable ways and whys of God. You know some suggest that when Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes that he was backslidden. And I get that. I can can sign off on that. But I, I want to take it further and suggest that not only was Solomon backslidden, I would argue that he was actually running from God. And I think that not only is he running from God, but he's also fighting with God. God's not fighting with him. He's fighting with God, specifically as it relates to the ways of God, which to Solomon, in this state that he's in, make absolutely no sense whatsoever. And he's running from God in the sense that he's allowed this distance between him and God under the banner of not understanding the ways and the whys of God. Something has happened, and I think I know what it is, and God even warned the kings against doing the very thing that Solomon did. What did Solomon do? He multiplied for himself gold, horses and wives. Big boo-boo. God said don't do that. And God didn't say don't do that because I'm God and I said so. No, God said don't do that because if you do that, here's what's going to happen. They're going to take you away from Me. That's exactly what happened. This is the distance now that has been created between Solomon and his God, because he has been drawn away from the Lord because of those things. So in doing this, he's sort of, well not sort of, he's deliberately, consciously removed God from the equation of life in his failed attempt at sorting it all out and making sense of everything. And here's the problem. Solomon ends up more bewildered and even more confused than he was when he first started on this ill-fated quest. Because he's, he's said, I'm going to pursue life under the sun, S U N and God's over here. I'm over here. And I'm going to try to reconcile this. I'm going to try to make sense of this. I'm going to try, absent God, to find the meaning and the purpose of life. Uh, how's that going for you, Solomon? Not well. We've had nine chapters of you doing this. And we got three more chapters, three more weeks of this. I hope you'll come back for the next (laughs) three weeks. When we get to chapter 12, it's kind of (sighs) like, finally, he comes to his senses. And he realizes, you know what, God's ways are not my ways. (laughs) You could have saved yourself and us for that matter. A lot of heartache, a lot of misery, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering had you but come to that conclusion sooner. But no, he's got to go through this whole thing. And actually it's needful because sometimes the only way we're going to learn is the hard way. There's the easy way and there's the hard way. And experience is the best educator. And sometimes you just have to go through it. And that's the only way you're ever going to learn it. I think about in parenting with our children. <laughs> you know, there's there's times where you just wish, I just wish I could impart this to them and spare them needless suffering and the consequences that always ensue when they're disobedient and defiant and rebellious. But no. <laughs> They forge on ahead as I just sit helplessly by as a loving father, just not wanting them to have to go through that. And then as you watch that, you realize that, you know, that's how they're going to learn. It's kind of like when your kids are really young and How are they going to learn? I mean, you try to speak to them, presupposing their talking and understanding at that age and stage in their life. And you say to them, don't touch this burner, because in the day that thou wast touchest thou the the burner, thou wilt surely be burned. I mean, you could talk to them and say that to them all you want till you're blue in the face. And what are they going to do? They're going to touch a burner and then they get burned and then they get a blister, and it's really painful. Guess what? They ain't going to touch that burner anymore. That's how they learn. And I kind of see Solomon in this regard, in this way. You know what's interesting, and we're going to see that tonight in this chapter. What continues to bleed through Solomon's pursuit of life's meaning is this nagging reality of God's sovereignty this side of eternity. See, here's the thing. Even if, it's not that God won't answer our why questions. Think about this. It's that God can't answer our why questions. Even if He wanted to, even if He tried, if He tried to answer our why questions, it would just create more why questions. And the reason for that is because God is infinite and we are finite. And it is impossible for us in the finite to comprehend the infinite. Those whys are going to have to wait. Those why questions are going to have to wait. This side of eternity we will not have those why questions answered. But when we're in eternity, and (laughs) I don't think we're going to be asking God. You know, we jokingly, almost cavalierly say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God such and thus. No, you're not. You think you will. But here's what's going to happen. First of all, we got the millennium, you know. And then we have the, the seven years of the celebration as the bride, and then the wedding feast of the Lamb. Oh my goodness. But I I think for all eternity, instead of asking questions, you know, God, why didn't You allow blah 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 blah. No, it's going to be more like, worthy (laughs) is the lamb that was slain. We're just going to be worshiping Him, in awe of Him. So here's the struggle though. Solomon doesn't understand the ways of God. He's not getting answers to the why questions from God. And because God's ways are not our ways, God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts not our thoughts. And those why questions. And I'm learning that the sooner we get to that place where we're okay with this, the better. The Christians that have the greatest struggle in their walk with the Lord are the ones who get hung up and tripped up by the ways and the wise of God. And it creates a barrier. It almost builds up this barrier between them and God. And in so doing it creates that distance between them and God. Something happens in their life. And they misunderstand it and even misinterpret it as you know, if God's a loving God, why did He allow it to happen this way? And they never get past that. They never get over that. And it sometimes creates irreparable damage in their relationship with the Lord. They're still saved. But there's been now this this chasm that is created between them and God because of this the ways and the wise of God. You know, that's what the walk of faith is. That's what the life of faith is. The righteous live by faith. What is faith? It's the antithesis of sight. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things, evidence is a strong word, evidence of things not yet seen. You know, the writer of Hebrews said, and we'll, we'll get to our Ecclesiastes study, don't worry. <laughs> but the writer of Hebrews says that without faith it's impossible to please God. Now stay with me on this. This is really important. In other words, if without faith it's impossible to please God, then that means that with faith it's possible to please God. You know what's striking to me? In the Gospels, Jesus takes note, sometimes stops everything to point out Someone who has faith. He takes note of it. And conversely, he also takes note when someone does not have faith. I think about when he went to his hometown in Nazareth. And we're told there he could do very few miracles. Why? Because they're looking at him going, come on, you're Joseph's son. I remember you when you were running around in diapers. You're the son of God. Really? And they didn't believe they had no faith. And as such, Jesus could perform very few miracles there. Now, oftentimes what's missed in that is this. There are so many miracles He could have done there, had they but had faith. Could you imagine all of the things that He could have done if they would have had faith? And what is faith? It's not sight. It's the antithesis of sight. It's saying to God, God, I don't understand, but I'm going to trust you. I don't see it, but I'm going to have faith and believe you for it. You know, we have that saying, uh, seeing is believing. You know what the problem with that is? It's backwards. It's not seeing is believing. Believing is seeing. You believe, and you'll see what I'm going to do. That's the way it works. Again, it's the antithesis. All right, let's work through chapter (laughs) 9 again. So, I mean, Solomon, very interesting, verse one. He says, For I considered all this in my heart, so that I could declare it all, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. Okay. We're good. You good? I'm good. So far, so good. I'll well, enjoy it because it's about to take a turn for the worst here in a moment. I mean, we're good so far. Everything is in God's hands, as we would say. And that's what he's saying here. But he goes on, people know neither love nor hatred by anything they see before them all things, verse 2, come alike to all. One event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good, the clean, and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As is the good, so is the sinner. He who takes an oath, as he who fears an oath. Oh my goodness. In other words, it's all the same in the end. It doesn't matter. Saint or sinner, it doesn't matter. It's all the same in the end. Of course, Solomon, you're going to come to this conclusion. Because you've, you've said, God, you stay over there. I don't want you involved in this. And because God is not involved in this, of course you're going to come to this conclusion. I was thinking about this today. You know how it is that we're all prone to do this. We look at the sinner, we look at the, the unbeliever, and there's something within us that looks down on them with almost a disdain, expecting them to act like they're saved. That's not right. I mean, they're not regenerated. They don't have the Holy Spirit. They've not been born again of the Holy Spirit. So where do we get off on (laughs) expecting them to act like anything else other than, and think about this. I think about what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. What were you like before you got saved? Oh, think about that one. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) of course you were like that. Of course you thought like that. Of course you acted like that. Of course you came to conclusions like this. You don't have the Lord. You don't have the Lord. You know, sometimes we will say things like, man, I just don't know how people who don't have the Lord do it. They just, this is how they do it. These are the kind of conclusions and and creeds they live their lives by. It doesn't matter. I look at the the professing Christian, and I look at the, I mean the carnal sinner that comes as sinful as they come, and it all, in the end, it's all the same. What's the point? Well, he goes on, verse 3, he says, this is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that one thing happens to all. Truly, The hearts of the sons of men are full of evil. Madness is in their hearts while they live, and after that they go to the dead. Oh my goodness, I mean, how? (laughs) He's basically saying, you know, everybody lives their lives and then they die. What's that saying we have? Two things you can be sure of, taxes and death. Isn't that just, you know, isn't that just perky? Everybody pays taxes and everybody dies. That's what basically Solomon is saying, minus the taxes, I guess. But, you know, it's, we're all going to die. Have a nice afternoon. Have a nice evening. We're all going to die. That's, that's the, the end of it all. And I suppose in all fairness, he's, he's right in the sense that, and in so much that, that that's the destiny of every single one of us. The writer of Hebrews, again, says that it is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. But what Solomon is saying here is death is not only the destiny of everyone, but it's also the great equalizer. It levels the playing field, as it were. Death is no respecter of persons. And that's true. Verse 4, but for him who is joined to all the living there is hope. <laughs> oh there is. Oh thank God there's hope. And then he says this, "For a living dog is better than a dead lion." What? Okay, let's let's uh, take a moment on this one. So, you got door number 1 and door number 2. Behind door number 1 is is a dead lion. Behind door number two is a living dog. What do you want? What's behind door number one or door number two? Did someone say door number three? That's not in here. You can't do that. That's not right. There is no third door. Wish there was. Door number one, door number two. A dead lion or a living. And by the way, as far as the dog, and listen, (laughs) I have a dog the most adorable dog you've ever seen. And I know you think that about your dog. That's fine. You can think that. But that's not what the, what Solomon is talking about here. Not a cute, cuddly, you know, adorable, you know, dog. No, this is a wild dog. You know, the the ones they show, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm being too graphic here, <laughs> traumatizing it, but Picture a dog, patches of hair just ripped out, teeth going all over the place, and all bust up. And I mean, that that's the kind of, but it's at least alive. Now, which one do you want? The dead lion or <laughs> the dog? <laughs> I don't want that dog. Well, it's living. That's what Solomon is saying. The living dog's better. And here's why. Where there's life, there's always hope. Where there's life, there's always hope. Doubtless you've heard the saying that you can only live so many days without food. You can only live so many days without water. But you can only live so many seconds without hope. There's always hope. Where there's life, There's always hope. You know, life can get hard. Depression and despair, discouragement can give way to depression and despair. And what is that basically? It's hopelessness. But there's always hope. There's always hope. Where there is life, there's always hope. Verse 5, for the living know that they will die. True. But the dead know nothing. Not so fast. We'll come back to that. And they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Also, verse 6, their love, their hatred, and their envy have now perished. Nevermore will they have a share in anything done under the sun. Solomon is as wrong as the day is long. Because what he's saying here is that when you die, that's it. That's how it ends. There's nothing after life, after death. Death is the end. You're remembered no more. Everything goes to the grave with you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has been teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes, both challenging us to seek the lasting things and encouraging us to look at how we spend our days. Throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, we get a peek into the mind of its writer and how he lived. We see how he tried everything the world had to offer, and it still left him feeling empty. In fact, he writes that all he sought was in vain. Can you relate? Do you find yourself seeking the things of the world? Are you putting your hope in the meaninglessness and empty things of the world? If so, be encouraged. You don't have to spend your days wondering where your help comes from. Scripture tells us it comes from the Lord. So seek him and he will fill you afresh. We hope today's message has been encouraging to you in your walk with Jesus. If you're wrestling in your walk, we'd love to pray for you. Just visit inspiritandtruthradio.com and click on Contact under the About tab. We'd love to hear from you, and we're available to answer any questions you may have. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you join us for our worship services. Feel free to invite your family and friends, too. And be sure to let us know that you're a listener of In Spirit and Truth when you visit. Find out more about Calvary Chapel Caniohe at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for being part of our study here today. We hope you'll tune in next time to learn more from the book of Ecclesiastes with Pastor J.D. right here on In Spirit and Truth.